So I would definitely recommend, you know, variety. I'm very big on variety. And with looking at a meal, it's important to have, in a perfect world, having three meals a day and two snacks. And I know that's not always ideal and realistic for every person, but that is the most wholesome because having snacks in between meals really helps to regulate your blood sugar. It helps you to be satisfied so you're not overeating at your next meal. And with the meal itself, I like to focus on having the three macronutrients there being protein, carbs, fat. And that's because protein um, will help to keep you satisfied and full a little bit longer. It breaks down slower. Carbs break down pretty quickly, so they'll give you that energy. And then fat also comes in to help keep you more satisfied um, and really helps to balance the blood sugar, that combination. So with your meal, protein, carbs, and fat, and then also ideally a vegetable or a fruit. And that creates that balanced meal. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 59. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current healthcare, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com uhsm.com. Hi friend, welcome back to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you're here spending your time with us today. Today we're talking all about understanding wholesome nutrition for your mind and body. We're shifting the conversation to mental wellness and the body. You know, there's a lot of information out there about what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat and what you should stay away from. We've had conversations on the podcast about how nutrition and certain foods impact your mental mental health, impact your brain, and the effects that they have on your mood. Uh, But today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the basics of wholesome nutrition. Um, What are some foundational foods to incorporate into our lifestyle for overall well-being? And we're talking about this with my friend Alex, who has her master's degree in nutrition and dietetics. We're talking about what it looks like to have a wholesome diet. Does everything need to be organic? What are ways to gauge our health rather than calorie counting or numbers on a scale? And what are some dieting culture myths that we often hear that are actually more harmful and would like to be clarified? And we're also talking about some beginning steps, resources, and direction for those wanting to incorporate healthier eating into their lives. 
Alex helps break all of this down in such a clear and understandable and down-to-earth way, and that's what I love about her so much. And if you're not familiar, Alex Leibson is the creator of Almond Milk is Nuts on Instagram, and she's dedicated to helping people ditch diet culture and find food freedom. She offers virtual one-on-one nutrition counseling, and her goal is to empower people to find their balance while not cutting out their favorite foods. I don't know about you, but I like the sound of that. And I think that this conversation is a great starting place for anyone just trying to wrap their heads around basic nutrition. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Alex. Hey guys, I'm super excited for today's episode because not only are we talking about wholesome nutrition for your mind and body, but we're talking with a good friend of mine, Alex, who is also a nutritionist. And you know, here we like to talk about mind, body, and soul, about the whole person when it comes to health and mental health. And today we're specifically shifting to the body aspect. And here to talk with us again is my friend, Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm so good, Brittany. How are you? I'm good. I, honestly, we don't live that far away. We, we could have done this in person, but that's okay. <laughs> got a lot <laughs> I know. Um, so you're a nutritionist. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and like what led you into this field for starters? Yes, absolutely. So I have my master's degree in nutrition and dietetics. Um, I do offer nutrition counseling um, through my website, and I do have an Instagram page where I discuss things about nutrition, having healthy relationship with food, and really anti-diet culture. It's what I'm big about. And what got me into nutrition is when I was in high school, I dealt with an eating disorder. So it was a few years, really tough times. And I was lucky enough to be able to come out on the other side, healthy with a lot of support. And through that journey, I really wanted to learn how to help my body recover and repair my relationship with food. So I decided to go into the field of nutrition and dietetics, not only to help myself, but really to help others navigate these waters. Um, I don't treat eating disorders, but I want to help people understand and see food and eating in a different light. I love that so much. And I love your story every time you share it. And just this idea of becoming the person that we once needed, right? Like how Mm -hmm. much of a blessing is that? Um, And, you know, when I first met you, just to give a quick backstory, (laughs) this was at Gold's Gym. You're working at Gold's Gym. I had just enrolled. Um, I was just coming out of a severe bout of anxiety. Like I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and I lost dramatic amounts of weight because of like a lack of appetite. And so I was coming to like figure out my relationship with nutrition and kind of build more mass and get my body back. And I was referred to you because you were the nutritionist at the gym. And when I first met you, I think I told you this. I already, it was like one of those things. It's like, she's my friend, but she doesn't know it yet. Is that weird? <laughs> no, <laughs> not weird at all. I definitely felt the same connection. There was something right? a spark about you that you were so warm and oh. great sense of humor. Like I felt the connection immediately. Oh, you're such, you're just such a light in there. Like just, you know, kind of oh. bouncing around the gym. That, that isn't, I, not bouncing <laughs> around, but you just had this lightness and this joy to you and this, 
you know, and anyway, and so we got connected and you went over a nutrition plan with me, like, hey, these are kind of the nutrients that you want to keep in your diet. And here are some foods that you can turn to and help me come up with some eating ideas and some different recipes. And that was really helpful for helping me get just a basic grasp of nutrition and what my body needs. And um, I think that's so important, you know, because there's so much information out there about what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. And what you do so well is you just kind of give a basic kind of foundation of like, start from here, just stay here <laughs> you right. know, to start I with. Exactly. Everyone needs a baseline. And there's, like you said, there's so much information out there, a lot of misinformation that it's so overwhelming to just have, where do I start? Yeah. I'm like, what happened to all of the celery juice? They're like two, you know, like three years <laughs> ago, the- like everybody and their mom was making celery juice. And like, I don't even see it anymore. There's these trends that rise and fall. And that being said, what does it look like to have a wholesome diet? Like if you were to meet with someone and you're just like, Hey, you really want to have these things in your diet when it comes to eating to maintain your health. What, what would you recommend? So I would definitely recommend, you know, variety. I'm very big on variety. And with looking at a meal, it's important to have in in a perfect world, having three meals a day and two snacks. And I know that's not always ideal and realistic for every person, but that is the most wholesome because having snacks in between meals really helps to regulate your blood sugar. It helps you to be satisfied. So you're not overeating at your next meal. And I know yeah, it can definitely happen when you get carried away with work or whatever you're doing, you kind of forget to eat. And I relate to this too much. Yeah, no, so many people do. It's so common. Um, And with the meal itself, I like to focus on having the three macronutrients there being protein, carbs, fats. And that's because protein um, will help to keep you satisfied and full a little bit longer. It breaks down slower. Carbs break down pretty quickly. So they'll give you that energy. And then fat also comes in to help keep you more satisfied um, and really helps to balance the blood sugar, that combination. So with your meal, protein, carbs, and fat, and then also ideally a vegetable or a fruit. And that creates that balanced meal. Then when it comes to snacks, pairing a carb with, again, a protein and or fat, the blood sugar thing, I'm really big about that because it really helps with your mood, your energy levels, your hunger. So having that combination really helps. For example, say you're having an apple, you eat the apple, you know, you feel okay for, let's say about 10 minutes, but if you pair that apple with some cheese or some almond butter, that protein and fat will help to carry you the extra hours until your next meal. Yeah, I think it's so important. Thank you for sharing all of that and for the examples to recognize food as fuel for your body. Like I think sometimes we see it just as sustenance, like let me just eat something to sustain myself. But it's like, no, it's fuel for your body. And in connecting mental health, it's also fuel for your brain and your cognitive functioning so that everything is running. Like brain fatigue is a real thing. When, like you said, you've gone all day and you realize all you had is a coffee by 1 1 p.m., you know? Yeah. You wonder why you're stressed and you can't work through stuff and you can't really think or focus. You have brain fog, you know, you need to, you need to eat something. And that's why I'm really passionate about the conversation around food and nutrition, because it does all play a role in our physical and mental health and brain powering. Absolutely. It's so important with your brain and with, you know, your brain and mental health, 
you know, food is important for fuel, but it's also important for so many other aspects, you know, your emotional health, mm-hmm. things that sound good, your social interactions. We're very social cre- creatures and, you know, we go out to eat, we cook together. So having food be an enjoyable experience is very important uh, to go with the wholesome aspect of your diet. I love that. Seeing food as enjoyable and enjoying your food. And really quick question, because I know this comes up a lot. Does everything really need to be organic? Like I, I'm not going to lie. I have a bit of an organic kick when it comes to my shopping, but I also know that it's not 100% necessary. And I would love to get your thoughts on this as a nutritionist. Absolutely. Yes. So organic, there's, you know, there's a lot of powerful opinions surrounding organic. And the, the answer is that you don't need to buy organic. And the big part of that is many people can't afford it. You know, it's expensive, especially if it comes to meats and animal products. Um, It can be a bit pricey, same with produce. So if, you know, when it comes to organic, I buy some organic, some not organic, it depends on what it is. Personally with proteins, animal sources, I like to buy organic. And I'm very, I know I'm very lucky to be able to do that. but that doesn't mean that the non-organic is less nutritious. So it's totally fine to buy and use those as well. When it comes to produce, people, you know, the pesticides is a big thing and organic produce do use pesticides as well. They're just a different type. Um, They're, you know, organic pesticides. And sometimes even with the farms, certain farms will have both organic and non-organic and say, you know, there's a field, they might have the organic a little bit lower, non-organic at the top. And when there's water, the watering or rain, there's runoff. And so the soil from the non-organic can even mix in with the organic. So it's hard to tell if it's organic or not. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, there's not a right or wrong. You just have to do what is best for you and your lifestyle and your personal choices. Right. The best thing is that you are feeding yourself, right? Exactly. I would rather you have um, non-organic fruits and vegetables than none at all. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought up kind of the, also the idea of food insecurity and expenses because that's real. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even want to talk about my Whole Foods groceries right now because it hurts a little bit, but but it's true. Like food insecurity is a real thing. Just being able to afford your food or like not having enough money to get these quote unquote organically branded foods. And that's more of a systematic thing. Um, But I did actually want to take this time really quickly to bring up some quick resources for those who may be struggling with groceries. (laughs) Great. Um, Absolutely. One really quick is Snap CalFresh. That's in like California. I know specifically those are basically food stamps. There's WIC for moms. That's something that I used when I was a young mother and was trying to make it in the world, (laughs) trying to survive. (laughs) WIC is great. They give you a certain amount of groceries every month. And there are after school meal programs, food pantries, also at colleges. Um, There's like home delivered meals, like Meals on Wheels and soup kitchens. And you can also dial 211 as a service to navigate food resources quickly. So just wanted to throw that out there since we brought up the topic. So, so great. Those are so important. And I know in when I was in undergrad and grad school, we talked a lot about those programs and worked with WIC as well. And they're such so, such amazing resources. So thank you so much for bringing those up. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing I wanted to add to, you know, the food insecurity is there's also 
something known as a food desert where people just don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Very limited on their choices. So, you know, we're very lucky where we live in a location where there's food fresh, there's avocados all year round, strawberries all year round. And there's so many ridiculous with avocados, California. It's a little bit of going on. Exactly. And there's so many areas where they only have certain produce available when they're in season and sometimes they're not organic. And you know what? That's completely okay. So you just got to work with what you have and work with what works with your lifestyle. And something else you've brought up before too is uh, frozen fruits and vegetables, how sometimes that can be a cheaper option than maybe like the fresh fresh produce aisle and they are just as healthy as fresh produce. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So with that process, the fruits and vegetables are harvested, they're flash frozen in their peak point of freshness. So everything is preserved. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have a stigma against frozen fruits and vegetables. Um, and sometimes they may be having, if they're mi- mixed with sauces and stuff, there can be excess sodium or saturated fat, which doesn't mean you can't have them. But when it comes to this, the plain bag of frozen broccoli, for example, I love using that. It's so convenient. It's yeah. often cheaper, less expensive and very nutritious. Yeah, yeah, totally. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. 
Okay, we've talked about so much already and I'm super stoked um, because something else that we also talk about is when it comes to health, it's not just about what we're eating, but it's also about how we're feeling on the inside out and you know how we what our relationship is with our body and what our relationship is with food right because mm-hmm. when i for example was struggling with anxiety and i was trying to get back in like my fitness and nutrition goals i was very legalistic about it and it wasn't really sustainable like it definitely got me on the right track <laughs> as far as being on a habit of eating and food and exercise um but there was a time where i wasn't satisfied with my life, right? Or like mentally just trying to keep up with things or counting calories and all of all of that stuff. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about like what are ways to gauge our health other than number of calories or numbers on a scale? Like what does it look like to be holistically healthy when it comes to our nutrition and our relationship with our bodies? That is such a good question, Brittany, because diet culture, our society is very heavy on numbers. How many calories is that? Are you eating enough grams of protein? What is the weight? How many pounds do you have to lose? What's your BMI? All of that stuff is so overwhelming and it doesn't always reflect your health. So when I'm working with my clients and if they want to lose weight, that's definitely not always the goal. Sometimes I ask them a question like, why do you want to lose weight? And it stops them for a second because they're just conditioned to want to see the number on the scale go down when it doesn't tie in with their happiness. You know, our, our lowest weight often isn't our happiest or our healthiest weight. Mm, That's a good point. Mm -hmm. And what I'd like to focus on with my clients and my audience is focusing on what I call, or what I didn't name this, but what are called non-scale victories. Mm. So focusing how your clothes fit, how you feel how are you sleeping? How is your relationship with food? Um, are you happy? Are you having fun? Those types of things and how you feel in pictures, even those are very important ways to measure your progress aside from the number on the scale. Yeah. I love that so much. Just how are you flowing through life too? Exactly. And you do talk a lot about these diet culture myths that are out there. And I'm curious, like, what are some common diet culture myths that you'd like to clarify? And this this is an important conversation because these are also things that affect our mental health because they affect our body image and our image of ourselves and how we think about ourselves. Like, it's all tied in. Um, So I'd love to know, like, if you could bust some common myths around dieting and diet culture, what would you want to tell people? Oh, yes, yes. And you're right. They like, tie- this is my jam. <laughs> yeah, I've got this. Because the mental health aspect, there's so much stress when you're worried about all these different food rules and these myths. And it's like, what do I do? And it's so stressful. And it's once you're able to, which I'll debunk some, it's so freeing. And it really helps you to focus on, focus on other things other than food and everything. Okay. So a very common one is the topic of carbs in general. They're very demonized in our society and our um, diet culture. And the truth is they don't directly make you gain weight. That's what many people fear. They fear that if they're going to eat them, they may gain weight. And that's not the cause and effect here. There might be some inflammation, say if you have some gluten insensitivities, but the majority of people don't. Um, So the function of carbs is to supply your body with energy. 
if there aren't enough carbs in your diet, and when I say diet, I don't mean you're following the keto diet right. or some type of diet. It's just the style, the way that you're eating, what you're eating. <laughs> and so not having enough carbs in your diet can cause your body to need to break down something for energy. And that's often muscle. So when people go on these low carb diets, they can lose weight, but they're often losing muscle. Mm. So yeah, it can be very damaging. And once you start incorporating them back, your body is like, Oh, great. And it can store them. So we don't necessarily want that. So what I encourage people to do is focus on having at least half of your carbs for the day to be complex. For example, brown rice, sweet potatoes, quinoa, whole grain breads. And that's because they take longer for your body to break down. So they're going to keep you fuller for a longer period of time, keep your energy, your blood sugar more stable. And that's not to say that simple carbs like white breads or white rice or pastries are bad for you. There are no good bad or bad foods. Those will still give your body energy. They just don't have as many nutrients, fiber as the other counterparts of wow. complex carbs. Okay. So carbs are not the enemy. They're not the devil. Um, yes. You know what? I, I think I told you, I prided myself on taking a nutrition course at UCLA. This yes, you were the, like, the first person I told. I'm like, Alex, I'm doing it. So excited. I I'm love diving it. into it. And we also talked about carbs. And I just thought I would add on to everything that you said. And mm -hmm. one of the things that um, we learned is that the purpose for carbs is that it's the body's preferred energy source. It's energy to the brain. It's, it's stored energy. It can promote digestive health with the fibers, like you mentioned. Um, and it and it helps with the cell mem membranes and cell structures. Um, so there's all these benefits. And that's why I love that you talk about like a wholesome diet, because all nutrients play a role. Absolutely, they really do. And carbs, you know, with brain function, they also play a role in building muscle. A lot of people don't know that too. So that's yeah, that's very important to, to have. So carbs, I love carbs. They're on the menu all the time. I eat them with every meal and I encourage people to do the same. <clears throat> I love, so Alex does a lot of Instagram reels and they're, they're yeah. so funny. And you did one that was like, stop replacing your cauliflower with pasta, <laughs> like, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, is I think it was zucchini. Like you don't zucchini. need to, you can have zucchini noodles and you can have pasta. You don't have to go with just the zucchini. Absolutely. Right. Um, and so another myth, um, and my page too, um, a little shameless plug, I guess. <laughs> Almond milk is nuts. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Almond milk is not just my page. And I, I post reels and content all the time. And I love to engage with people on there. So if you have questions, I'm, I'm always on there. Um, so another myth that I hear often is not eating past a certain time, not eating past a 7 p.m. Yeah, that's a that's a very big one. I and that one. I was do you? Yeah, I would love to hear more about this. Absolutely. So, you know, your your body doesn't necessarily know what time it is. It knows your schedule. It knows how active you've been that day, how much or how little you've eaten. So say, you know, you had lunch at 12 and seven rolls around, you've had a busy day. Oh, I don't want to eat. No, you should eat. Even if you ate at five and you're hungry, the most important thing is to listen to your body. Your your hunger varies day to day. Some days you might be satisfied by seven. Sometimes you're hungry at 10 and that's all right. 
the important thing to remember you know, is not ha- maybe not having a big meal right before you're laying down, but if you're hungry, even if you're sitting on the couch, but especially if you're studying, you're working, you're up late, you're doing things, your body and your mind, definitely your mind needs that fuel. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, guys, um, episode 52, we talk about intuitive eating, which is basically what Alex is referring to. It's you Mm -hmm. eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're full and you listen to your body signals. And that's such a sustainable way to live. And on top of that, like everything I've heard you say, it actually helps you toward your goals. You know, when it comes to starving ourselves, which happens in diet culture, this idea of just like less you eat and the less calories and eating these tiny meals that don't fulfill you or have no sustenance about how like our body basically thinks that we're starving and it stores Mm -hmm. everything. And then when it comes time to eat again, then you're overeating. So it's actually yep. the opposite of your goal. Can you speak a little bit more to that aspect of yep. dieting? Because I know that's that's your thing. Absolutely. So yeah, and then episode two, definitely talking about how less food and calories doesn't always mean healthier. Mm. And what can happen with that is say, you know, you just have an egg and an iced coffee and it's 2 p.m. Well, yeah, you went half the day without eating, but the time you get to the next meal, you're starving. So you can tend to overeat and then you become full and you feel feelings of guilt and shame. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm just not going to eat my next meal to make up for it. And then you wake up and the next day you're hungry again and the cycle continues and it repeats and it's not, it's not working. So the best thing to do is eat more consistently throughout the day, have those meals balanced, and you will notice such a shift in your mental state, your physical health, your life will change. It sounds so simple, but, and diet culture likes to overcomplicate it, but it really is that simple. Eating more throughout the day, having a variety of foods really makes a difference. Yeah. And and it makes sense when you think about it, when you really think about it, (laughs) it makes common sense. And something that you shared earlier that I think also talks and like ties into this mentality of diet culture is struggling with eating disorders. You know, um, it's not something that we're going to like super specific into, but I did at least want to touch on it, um, especially from your experience and your experience now as a nutritionist. Um, what are some of the common signs of an eating disorder? And I know there are different types, right? There's binging, there's purging, there's different types uh, between anorexia, bulimia, etc. cetera. Um, is that something you could just touch on a little bit for us? Because I know every now and again, I, I, I hear from people that this, this is a real struggle. Absolutely. And like you said, there are so many different types and they have, they can have a lot of crossover. Um, and in, in my experience and what I've studied is signs, obviously it can be not eating, but people with disordered eating, eating disorders still do eat, but some common signs might be them eating in isolation, no longer eating with friends and family. You may notice food goes missing or they find wrappers around the house. Suddenly the person or yourself may no longer be interested in their favorite foods. I remember when I was struggling, you know, cheese, I love cheese, but I convinced myself that I didn't like it. And my Mm. family, they'd be like, oh, do you want this? I'm like, no, I don't like cheese. And they're like, what? (laughs) Who are you? 
What have you yeah, done with you, your daughter? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was like, no, adamant. I was like, I, I don't like cheese. And forever, I, not forever, but for a while, I, I didn't have any. And then a big thing for my recovery was choosing to eat cheese and remembering how much I enjoyed it and missed it. And that was a big step for me of, okay, I, I'm definitely getting better. Yeah. Yeah. That's that isolation that you mentioned. Yes. That fractured relationship with food and losing all pleasure for food in your life and that whole, yeah, the relationship between the two and body image. It's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, I highly encourage uh, listening to some of our other episodes, such as 52, more on this, because that's a real thing. And I mean, is there any encouragement that you have for those who are struggling or who are in this place that maybe you wish that someone told you or that you heard when, when, you, were, when you were struggling? Absolutely. I would say one of the biggest ones is that what you're dealing with is valid. You don't need a diagnosis to be struggling with these issues. And just because maybe somebody has it worse than you doesn't mean that you aren't going through it. It's never too late or too early to seek help and working with somebody, especially a mental health professional, a psychologist, a registered dietitian who specializes in eating disorders. If you're able to, if you have insurance, I know that can be another hurdle as well, but that is the best way to recover and nip it in the bud as early as possible or help you recover and get through. Amen. And the hope that there is an, there is another side to this and life can look and feel differently with the right help. Oh, life is so good when you have food freedom. It, it's, you're not worried and constantly having food on your mind 24 seven. It's exhausting. It is. Okay. Alex thoughts on dessert. Please don't hurt me here. Gotta, <laughs> please give me some good news. <laughs> <laughs> no, just thoughts on dessert in general? Yeah. Like, you know, oh, I love sugar dessert. shaming. And obviously, like, sugar has its role. I know that. I know that from just the mental health awareness, it can also drive up anxiety. It has its role. I know that. And But I also know that um, it's not, it's not a hard and fast. Like we said, we don't want to be legalistic about it what it looks like with food freedom. Yeah. What, what is, what's the deal with sugar in your view? <laughs> Absolutely. So with sugar, so yeah, it's, it's definitely not something you would want in excess, but just like you wouldn't want to eat three pounds of spinach every day. You're not going to want to eat three pounds of sugar every day. Too much of a good thing isn't good. So having sugar is important um, because well, what I mean by that is giving into your cravings is important. If there's something that you really want, I really want that cookie. I mean, you're thinking about it all day. If you don't allow yourself to have it, eventually you're going to break. And instead of having, you know, a couple cookies, you may end up having the entire bag versus when you want that cookie in the moment and then you allow yourself to have it, the the craving is satisfied. You move on with your life. I love that. It's just satisfied that way you doesn't cause you to kind of overindulge, right? Then you overcompensate. I don't know what Absolutely. you're talking about at all. <laughs> yeah. Oops, never been there. Oh, never I've been, been there. there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I think in closing, you know, for everyone who's listening to this information, we've actually covered a lot in a short period of time. We so really did. Go. Like 
you know your stuff. You're just like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I love talking about you. it. Yeah. And you can follow Alex. We have her social media in the show notes. But for someone who's listening to all of this and they are like, okay, I want to begin eating healthier, eating more wholesome, because some of it is generational, right? Like oh, yeah. we grow up eating what our parents gave us and maybe it wasn't the healthiest. I mean, it starts all the way back to utero, right? Like our cravings kind of even come from the inner utero fluids of our mom. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it goes all the way back. There are definitely these trans intergenerational effects when it comes to our eating choices and our eating habits. And I know that I, when I got to a certain age, it was like, okay, I know this is my tendency because I was raised eating these things or turning to these foods or I, you know, I'm, I come from the McDonald's era. <laughs> so <laughs> of kids, you know, um, it meant that I had to be very intentional about what I had in my house and what I didn't have in my house. But for someone who is like, yeah, I want to break the cycle of the way that I've been eating and overindulging in things or what have you, what might be some beginning steps that you recommend for someone wanting to incorporate healthy eating into their lives, wholesome, healthy eating? So I would say first start small, you know, we can do anything for a week. You can change your life and do all this stuff, but you're going to get burnout. So what I encourage my, yeah, my clients to do is, okay, this week, you're going to pick one, two, three goals, however many, you know, you can do not that you want to do that, you know, you can do. So for example, that being maybe right now you only have one large meal a day. So it's not realistic for you for the rest of your life to sustainably have three, you have to crawl before you can walk. So with that, I would suggest throw in a snack, one snack, and if you don't think you can do it every single day or know you can do it, start with three days a week, for example. So, okay, I'm going to eat normally. I'm going to add that snack in for three days. Once you're comfortable with that, that's when you can add in the next thing. So it really depends on your comfort level, what you know you can do, and everyone's going to be different. So that's why it's important not to compare your journey to somebody else's. Yeah. And when you said that, I was even thinking like, when you're starting this journey of like, okay, I want to eat differently and I want to incorporate more foods, more variety, but it's for a lot of people, it's just like, I don't even really know what to do with this stuff or like what to make with this stuff, right? You're like you, mm -hmm. it's the classic case of you buy all the healthy foods, you stick them <laughs> in the fridge and then Wednesday night rolls around and you're like, that's great. I have all this healthy stuff in my kitchen, but I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't really know what to make with it or what combinations to make with it. Do you have any recommendations for like how people can go about maybe finding more food combinations or recipes or kind of just some places to, to look, to get some ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So I post like when I'm cooking, I usually share what I'm doing and I have I love a, it. Hi a highlight saved on my page called what's cooking. So that gives a lot of good inspiration. Those, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always something good going on. And, you know, Google as simple as it sounds, sometimes you can even I'll search. Okay. I have, cause I like to use what I have instead of, you know, I don't want to, I don't like wasting food when I can. Um, I'll, so say I have, okay, I got chicken, I got potatoes, I have um, onions, I don't know. So I'll type those into Google and then a recipe pops up and it's really? okay if you don't, yeah. And, type in the ingredients and then it gives you a list of recipes of what to do with those items. Yep. Yep. And sometimes huh. the, 
will be, you know, they, they vary on their difficulty level or what's in them, but I modify them. I'm like, okay, I don't have that. I don't want to run to the store to get that. But, ooh, I do have that in my pantry that I, I forgot about. So you can incorporate those. You can get creative. Or what I tend to do is I just throw stuff in a pot, throw something yeah. that sound good. And You're good with you know, those bowls. Yeah, just kind of create what you have. But I know that's not a skill that everybody has. So using the other resources online, um, looking at inspiration really helps. So you can figure out what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, that's great. Pinterest is great. You know, oh, yeah. I've, I have like boards where I pin certain recipes or I've printed them out. And then the more that you make them, once you figure out what you like, you figure out how you can make alternatives and switch things out. So there is definitely something to be said about like doing some exploring and, and testing some recipes out and trying new things to see what you like and what you can start incorporating to have a palette of choices that you want to turn to for yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there's so many social media pages out there too, that are really great with their ideas. Yes. But of course you want to be careful of the ones that are maybe too restrictive. You know, that's a whole nother topic of mental health with social media, but right. there's definitely some good inspiration on. I love that. Yeah. I have a now, and now you can like bookmark and pin stuff on Instagram. Oh, yeah. So I have right. a bookmark group on my Instagram for uh, like eating ideas. And I, mm -hmm. I pin foods. I totally do. I pin foods from Instagram. So, so smart. I love it. Yeah. So we, ha I mean, we're in a day and age where we have access to so many different ideas, which is really nice. That, that part is a benefit. Well, thank you so much for your time, Alex. And by the way, guys, Alex does like personalized eating plans and all of these things. So definitely check her out because everyone's situation is different and everyone's needs are different. Everyone's even medical needs are different as far as what they can eat and or might want less of. So um, if you're looking for like a more personalized approach, here's your woman. And, <laughs> and we also have links in the show notes, but Alex, can you let us know more about how to best stay connected with you? Yes, absolutely. So my Instagram page um, at almond milk is nuts. I'm also on TikTok with the same name, my website, almondmilkisnuts.com. I have more information there about my nutrition counseling services, all virtual. You can contact me through there. Um, so yeah, Instagram, TikTok, and my website are the biggest ones. I love that. And then if you go to either my or Alex's Instagram TV section on oh, Instagram, yeah. we, have a, we have all these episodes we did together called Chopping It Up, where so we are in the kitchen making different meals and talking about nutrition and mental health. And those were super fun. We did those through the pandemic. <laughs> I love that was so much fun. I that was fun. That. that was fun. Yeah. And so you guys can also enjoy those as well, where we also bring up some different ideas for different recipes. But other than that, thank you guys so much for your time. I hope you found this episode helpful just in getting started and thinking about the relationship between uh, mental health and nutrition and getting started somewhere. Until next time.